Hey, everybody. Did you ever smack your head into a kitchen cabinet and see stars? Or do you ever worry when you see your child or grandchildren hit their head playing sports? Concussions are everywhere. Coming up, we're talking with a doc who knows quite a bit about head injuries, the do's, the don'ts, and a few facts you didn't know. Up next on The Matt Townsend Show. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. President Barack Obama is announcing new trade actions against China and using the move to bash on Mitt Romney and how he would handle the U.S.'s relationship with China. The administration wants the World Trade Organization to cite Beijing for unfair subsidies to auto and auto parts companies, costing jobs in places like Ohio, where Obama's campaigning. It is not right. It is against the rules. And we will not let it stand. In recent days, Romney's ramped up charges. Obama's given China a free pass on trade. But Obama says Romney-owned companies helped ship jobs to China, and his tax policies favor that. I like to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. Romney counters if he's elected, he won't wait till his term's ending to act. Mark Smith at the White House. Regardless of the president's bashing, Mitt Romney is still trying to find new ways to appeal to more voters, now refocusing his whole message. The new focus is on Romney as an agent of change versus President Obama and what the GOP team calls a failed status quo. Senior Romney advisor Ed Gillespie denies this is a major shakeup, but says with the contest now in the post-convention phase, voters naturally want to see exactly how things would be different with Romney in the White House. We know that they know he has a plan, which is a good thing, but we also know that they'd like to know a little bit more about some of the specifics. One change, though, involves Gillespie, a former Republican Party chairman who's taking on a new role directing Romney's campaign messaging. Mark Smith at the White House. On the one-year anniversary of the Occupy Wall Street demonstrations, a large amount of protesters reconvened near the Stock Exchange in New York. But police were having none of it as arrests totaled in the triple digits. No one was immune to getting arrested. Retired Episcopal Bishop George Packard was picked up by police protesting in front of Trinity Church just off Wall Street. And legal observer Damon Warden was carted away in plastic handcuffs as well. I was just getting protesters' names and they they pulled me off the sidewalk. Meanwhile, the tight security in the area forced the tourist attraction Federal Hall to shut down, says Superintendent Shirley McKinney. They're limiting access to this area only to employees and residents. Federal Hall, which sits across from the stock exchange, is where George Washington was inaugurated president. Julie Walker, New York. Apple fever is churning up into an epidemic as the iPhone 5 pre-orders smash cell phone sales records. Two million in just the first 24 hours. Just how hot is the iPhone 5? AT&T says it's never seen anything like it, writing a record number of pre-orders on the first day last Friday and continuing over the weekend. That makes the taller device the fastest-selling iPhone ever. Apple says it racked up 2 million orders in just the first 24 hours, more than double the number of iPhone 4S orders on the first day. Because of that, Apple says some pre-orders will not be delivered this Friday. Those buyers will have to wait for a fresh shipment of devices next month. I'm John Belmont. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your life guide. Your guide on the side. We do what we can 
on this program every Monday through Friday to help you and your loved ones grow healthier, happier lives. Welcome to the show, everybody. Today, I do believe we're going to um, uh, rock your brain. We're going to try to see uh, and understand, I think, a little bit more about the old brain drain of sports. Okay, now, uh, my weekend, father of six, consisted of me visiting, let's see, two football games. Then I went and actually Friday night watched a high school game. Uh, Saturday watched two of my kids play. And then Saturday night watched the BYU-Utah rivalry game. Disappointing, by the way. And then Sunday, it happened to be some NFL. So that's a lot of football. And I watched it with my boys. I have five boys. um, And they get to watch these high schoolers hit. And they hit, oh, they hit hard. And then we watched college guys hit. And then I watched the pros hit. And my kids are just like, oh, Dad, did you see that hit? Watch this hit. Look at this. Um, Okay. Then I go to my little kids' games. Two young little boys, a 12-year-old and and a 9-year-old. Now, my 9-year-old, you may not remember, but my 9-year-old was playing football and got tackled, actually fell um, on his arm, broke his arm a little while ago, had the ambulance called, two fire trucks and two police cars, which is always a great thing when you, you get a call frantic from somebody on a field saying, yeah, they're taking your son away in an ambulance at uh, football practice. So... That's now going through my head. Then I go watch these little games, and you you try you see these kids trying to live up like their brothers, hitting hard, or like those pro football players that have the the armbands and the elbow bands and the all these different all this bling to make them look like they know what they're doing. And when a nine year old is doing it, and then he gets hit so hard that he gets out of the pile, looking out his uh, ear hole. He's been earholed and he his helmet's on backwards. It's kind of a problem. So on the show today, I wanted to to get into that a little bit and figure out how big of a deal is this concussion thing that's going on. You hear the NFL, they're seriously worried about it. Um, but I you know, it's a big deal. Apparently, listen to this. 165 million people turned in or tuned in to watch the Super Bowl last year. 165 million watched the Super Bowl. It's the most watched televised broadcast in history, probably up to the Olympics. Maybe the Olympics beat it. The life expectancy, however, of an NFL player, according to some experts, is only in the mid-50s. Mid-50s, okay? Helmets apparently do not protect against these concussions because the concussion isn't what, it's not like a bruise that happens to your head. It's a bruise that happens inside your head. So your helmet can stop your head from moving, but it doesn't stop your brain, right? And the concussion is your brain getting jostled back and forth. And uh, apparently that's what really does the damage. In a study of nearly 3,500 previous NFL players, it was shown that those players are four times more likely to die from brain-related injuries like Parkinson, Alzheimer's, and Lou Gehrig's disease than any other person, right? So four times higher likelihood than just an average person. Now, for me, that's a big deal. Do I want my kids? Now, my kids don't play in the pros. But do I want my kids even exposed to this? No, because we already have Alzheimer's in the family history. So I don't want to increase the likelihood. And um, interestingly, it's a big deal. Now, why it's a big deal is you've heard some stories like former Bears safety Dave Dewerson, who was 50 years old when he shot himself in the chest, leaving his brain intact to be studied. And then um, also recently another player, Junior Seau, who, who killed himself as well. So these football players, they're, you know, this is important stuff. And so on the show today, basically this, concussions are everywhere. Are they really that big of a deal? 
and how do we avoid them? Now, we could get into a million different things, and I'm going to bring on Skyler here. Sky's our um, board op. He's he's just a stud muffin, he likes to be called. He's the one on the show. We're still looking for a date for him. Um, give us a call, 801-422-0143. Ask for Sky. Um, now, Sky, now you, you didn't, have you had a concussion? I think I've had mild concussions and when I, I played football in high school. Okay, there's a so. couple times where... Because I always notice you like walking into walls and stuff yeah, here, which I'm good. trying to explain. <laughs> but you, you've just played regular sports, but apparently you've, you've had a ton of injuries. Yeah, actually most of my injuries have come um, not from football, for, but from basketball. Really? Yes. I have had, I've had to have four knee surgeries from <laughs> basketball. I've torn both my ACLs. I've torn my MCLs. I've torn... Just about every meniscus there oh is. Oh my heavens! Knees. How many meniscuses does one menisci does I think one there's, have? How many mis- uh, meniscum? I think there's at least two in each knee. Oh man! So, so you've torn them all? Yes. Well, maybe except one. All for the love of sport. Yeah. Now, are you not a very good player? Is this the problem? <laughs> are you just aggressive? <laughs> what is your deal? I I don't know. I, I I've been told that I'm really quick and I cut a lot. Yeah. And so when I like cut on my knees, um, that's when I've I've twisted them. But I've also like cracked my head open playing basketball. I've dislocated my elbow. I've broken fingers. Yeah. So we have a family friend that has. Oh yeah. I mean, he'll like run out of the huddle with his finger going the wrong direction, and he'll just pop it back in and then yeah. go back to the huddle. Is that? I guess that's sports. Or is I that guess, just? I don't know. I, I remember one time I. I broke my pinky, and I tried to keep playing because it was kind of embarrassing how I broke it, and so everyone was laughing yeah, at you know. me. So I just tried to keep yeah, playing. Yeah, I could do it, but yeah, it's pointing but, the wrong direction. Yeah, and it really hurt, <laughs> so I had to stop. <laughs> Plus it threw your game off because you always threw to the right. Um, so if Skyler's got it, and he's just an average nice guy, he's not you know, he's not an NFL athlete yet. We're still no, working on that, no. but Getting without there. your pinky, it's not going to happen. <laughs> he's a horrible board op, too, because his, his fingers don't work. Um, <laughs> But I guess when we're thinking about it, sports injuries, they're kind of inherent, right? Knees. Now, when Sky's 80, he'll be a mess. He'll be driving around a jazzy because his knees won't work. But in the end, I guess, as we look at it, is it worth risking our kids' lives, especially when our kids' heads, they, they're even less likely to recover uh, from a concussion or recover in a healthy way than maybe even some of us older you know, guys. Um, so we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be bringing on an expert that uh, can help us kind of work through that so that you don't have to have, like, permanent injury. I guess Sky's been able to have surgery. His legs look like hamburger, but his um, the cool thing about it, his head's at least still intact. We're going to be bringing on Dr. Brian Rieger to talk to us about head injuries, the impact of, of what a concussion does, what is it, how does it work, how do we prevent it. But maybe uh, before we get there, let's do this. Wouldn't it be nice, now think of this, to have someone following you around who could always let you know when you're about to make a bad decision, right, or get hurt. Well, judging by the number of visits that uh, that this person makes to a doctor, Bryce Tobin, one of our producers, could have really used someone like that a few years ago. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce is right. Sports, 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 do them. It'll be good for you. Hold on, hold on. Sports are fun, promise. But when we think about them, we think short-term instead of long-term. For the majority of us who won't tie a ridiculous level of income to a sport, I think we can all agree with what my friend Jeff once said. On a particularly achy morning, while walking funny, he said to me, you know, I can tie all of my aches and pains and problems to injuries or just overdoing it in sports as a kid. And you know what? I have found that to be utterly accurate. Let's go from bottom to top. My ankles have been trashed. They were never that great to begin with, but you can only roll your ankles so many 
times before they just decide to give up on you. But mine decided to go overboard. They didn't just give up. Oh no, one of my ankle bones decided that it would be a great idea to flip itself over onto its unpadded side. I don't know what gave it this genius idea, but it is super effective. Any hard hits or pressure at certain angles and my ankle will hurt so much that I want to scream. But it doesn't stop there. It hurts for a while afterwards to remind me of my pretended offense. Now, it's nothing a few over-the-counter painkillers won't fix, but it sure is annoying. Next up is my knees. It all started with my left knee when I was in football. Now, I don't know what I did other than decide to engage it, but my ACL decided that it had had enough of the whole moving around thing that I kept doing so much. Something that is supposed to last somewhere in the neighborhood of 80 years decided to call it quits after just 11. Now, this led to a lot of pain and a lot of aches but nobody seemed to be worried about all the compensating that I was doing with my right knee. Six years later, I had a job as a cashier and I was standing a lot. Didn't take long for my right knee to take umbrage with that plan of action, and it decided to hurt. There was no serious trauma, but it had been overused for so long, and maybe it even felt like it wasn't getting as much attention as the left one, but both of my knees were in bad shape at that point. As we move up, things get much better other than some fun scars. It's all situation normal until we get to my neck. For the longest time, I've noticed that I do not have equal range of motion in how far I can turn my head. It's really odd, and it hurts when I try to turn my head to the left, but I've only recently discovered the culprit. Swimming thought it could hide underneath the idea that it was a low-impact sport, but it could not hide from me. While swimming, I would normally turn my head to the right to take a breath, but when you're swimming hard, you have to throw your head to the side to get it out of the water. Once you have that breath, you gotta pull it back into streamline as fast as you can. And after years of that, you end up with a tweaked neck. These aren't reasons to not do sports, but I am just a mild case with very mild conditions. Everyone wants to make money having fun playing a sport they love, but nobody wants to live with aches and pains. All I'm saying is, it might not hurt for us to think about both sides of the coin on this one. Alright, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. Now, honestly, that explains a lot. Because uh, Bryce can never look to you to the left to you. It's just awkward. He always has to move his whole body around to see you. Okay, um, it's interesting. Even swimming injuries, all of these things are adding up. Today on the show, we're talking about sports injuries, especially today, um, concussions. Because it's such a big deal, and I don't think we have a clue what we're doing. And this isn't just even about football, kind of head-to-head kind of sports. Soccer, I know people that have had concussions playing soccer. My son broke his arm playing soccer, just running to get the cones, for crying out loud. Okay, kids, pick up the cones, and they all ran up, and my son broke his arm. So injuries, is it worth it? Should your kids be playing football? That's what we're talking about. When Kurt Warner, uh, three to- and uh, what's his name? Kurt Warner and Tom Brady, three-time uh Um, Super Bowl champion Tom Brady is hesitant about letting his 14-year-old play football, we probably all ought to be paying attention. We all ought to be listening. We're going to be talking to Dr. Brian Rieger after this break, picking his brain about the brain right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. Building large structures in space without the structure part. Next. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. The cost of building in space is tied directly to how much expensive mass you have to haul up out of Earth's gravity well. If you can save a little weight, you save lots of money. That's why some promising work has already been done with space structures made from inflatable components. 
But the NASA Innovative Advanced Concepts Program, which explores revolutionary ideas, thinks we could go beyond inflatables by skipping the structure altogether. In this study, MIT researchers are trying to use electromagnetic fields with high-temperature superconducting wires and coils to make parts that can unfold and become lightweight, rigid structural objects in space using the massless forces of magnetism. You can get some idea of how this might work if you've ever tried to force together the sides of two magnets that repel each other. This NIAC research will duplicate common structures like beams and struts using the superconducting wire and electricity to see how the approaches compare. If it works, huge and heavy space antennas, for example, could be replaced by something that folds up to the size of a softball. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Do you want to hear all your favorite BYU radio shows while you're on the go? Now you can. BYU Radio's free iPhone app places all the BYU radio programming at your fingertips through your iPhone or iPod. Enjoy all your favorites at the touch of a button. Download your free iPhone app on the Apple Store now. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about head injuries and concussions. You know, it started with just a lot of talk about injuries, sports injuries, but uh, we're going to be bringing on an expert who's going to educate us, give us a real clue about how important it is to protect our head at all ages. I kind of feel like by the time you're, I don't know, 45, you've probably had a bell ringer. It might just be you getting in your car and hitting your head wrong. It might be uh, skiing. I have a brother-in-law. We live in the mountains uh, near Utah, and... um, you know, this guy crashes his, on the skis regularly. And he was in med school, um, had a major uh, concussion, and the doctors had counted that and seen some other damage. And they're like, look, dude, you can't do this again. You have another concussion. You're not ever going to be a doctor. And it changes everything. Now the guy literally wants to wear a helmet everywhere he goes. So um, he's he's pretty... He's pretty scared. It should be scary, I think, for us when we're talking about our brain, something that we can't necessarily get back once we've lost it. But there's all those, you know, the injuries, all this kind of studly ways of hurting ourselves. Then there's kind of the embarrassing ways. Now, have you ever had a child where it just seems that they're always getting hurt? Our producer, Madison, shares her experience with being accident prone. I was quite an active child when I was younger, and as a result, I have sustained more injuries than I can count. To name a few, some of my experiences have been breaking my leg the day before school started, snapping tendons in my shoulder from wrestling with my younger brothers, and knocking out a few baby teeth. In fourth grade, my elementary school PE teacher declared that I was accident prone, but I retorted back that I just like to have fun. As I got older, these incidences became less frequent, but then there are just those freak accidents. One of these happened my sophomore year at high school. I was at swim practice, and we were doing a pretty relaxed drill. A guy in my lane had forgotten his goggles that day and had decided to just swim without them instead of trying to borrow a pair. For some, this would be no big deal, but he was not used to opening his eyes underwater and was essentially blind. In a moment of energy, he had passed me in the lane and was taking a flip turn. When you are underwater and doing a flip turn, you tend to occasionally lose sense of your surroundings and you open your eyes to orient yourself. But 
Since he did not have goggles on, he forcefully pushed off the wall at an angle and he hit me in the head. At that moment, I had been speeding up so I could get a good flip turn and it was a high-impact collision. I instantly blacked out. According to the girl who was behind me, it was only for a second or two, and I got up and finished the set. My coach took me aside and tried to see if there was anything wrong, but I reassured him and continued on. I had never passed out before, so I didn't recognize it, so although I was a bit shook up, I finished the practice. I went to school and was sitting in pre-calculus when I realized that something was wrong. I started to get an extreme sensitivity to light, and my thinking went a bit fuzzy. I tried to clear my head and continued to take notes, but when I looked down, I realized that I had been writing my notes backward. I knew something was up, so I merely packed my things, went out of the classroom, and waited for my mom to pick me up. It turns out that I had a concussion. A concussion seems random for a swimmer since it is a non-contact sport, but while it is truly odd, there are a lot of sports or activities that are supposedly safe, but people can get some serious injuries from. Now, when hearing this, you can just choose to wrap up your children in bubble wrap, or you can just go with my recommendation and make sure you have good health insurance. Good job, Madison. I've actually tried to wrap my kids up in bubble wrap, and apparently they can't breathe. So we don't do the bubble wrap anymore. Now we just – and we don't have good insurance either. So uh, we just let them sit on the couch and play video games because we figure a bunch of video games is better on the brain than a a head-on collision. Uh, appreciate those. We're talking now to Diet Dr. Brian Rieger. We're going to bring him on. He is um, he really is a head expert, a brain expert. He got his PhD in psychology from Fordham University. He's the director of the concussion management program, does a lot of work at Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York. He's the assistant professor of physical medicine and rehabilitation. Dr. Rieger, you there with us? Yes, I am. Matt. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Now, are we just a bunch of babies that can't take a head injury, or is this really a big deal? Well, that's a good question. You know, I've been doing uh, work specializing really in concussion for over 10 years now, and it's just been amazing how much uh, research there has been and how much interest there's been in this topic. So I think we know a lot more about um, why we should worry about concussion. Right. Unfortunately, the you know, the way we manage the injury uh, really hasn't changed very much over the last 10 years. We're, we're pretty much following kind of the same guidelines because the research hasn't gotten to a point where, um, you know, we really have the tools necessary to answer some of those questions. Right. You know, we know that, we know that uh, lots of folks can have multiple injuries and really don't seem to have long-term problems. Yeah. But there's some you know, pretty scary stories. You mentioned a couple of NFL players. Maybe that's somewhat that what's about. going on is that we have these bigger names getting attention who obviously have already had their brain racked so many times. But um, I mean, it seems like, oh, and is this true? It just seems over our lifetime, I, mean, I remember building little jumps in the middle of my street 30 years ago and riding my bike off this jump and, you know, falling and having a head injury. Right. And, not, and, and, and that's just kind of, growing up, so we're already kind of prone to get some of them. But now I guess what's happening is um, now we've got better research, like you're talking about. We know more about the impact. We still don't know how to treat them. Uh, is it just creating, I guess, an undue stress? Because we, we know more, but we don't know more what to do. Well, I think that's, that's certainly uh, true in some cases. I would say that I have 
you know, whereas I used to be out uh, giving talks, trying to get people to take this issue seriously, because I do think that when you properly manage a concussion after it occurs, you can have an influence on the recovery and potentially on long-term outcomes. So I believe that. Um, but, uh, you know, I think there's the, the attention borders on hysteria at times now. Yeah. I have parents who are, who are very, very concerned about what, what we can say is, you know, an uncomplicated injury with a pretty good outcome. Hmm. Would you, okay, so to help us understand then, what, what is a concussion? And um, what are some of the signs that parents should be looking for? Right, and and this is important. And like, and what 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 makes a, like a little head, you know, a little bell ringer versus right. a real full on? You got to worry about this. Well, it's interesting that you say that, Matt, because the Athletic Trainers Association um, issued a position paper a while ago trying to get the phrases like bell ringer or yeah. uh, see they're trying to get that out of people's vocabulary because they that seems to minimize the injury like that's right. not really a oh, excellent so it's like a head, so instead of right. having these little bell ringers it's a head injury it's a, right and and we should treat every concussion or um, head Event. injury seriously yeah. until we know that the person's recovered and then we hopefully can forget about it hmm, right um, but a concussion is a so-called mild traumatic brain injury it's it's considered mild in the sense that it's not life-threatening. It usually doesn't require hospitalization. Um, but, you know, Madison uh, told a little story about a concussion from swimming and how it affected her schoolwork. And I actually treated a kid who dove into the shallow end of a swimming pool at a meet, and he had symptoms for over a year, including, oh. including not being able to do any schoolwork at all for about six weeks and then being home from uh, school for a couple of months and then only be able to go half time. So yeah. I think people like that would not say that a concussion is a mild. mild. That's and, and it was traumatic. That's for sure. Yes. Now, thankfully, that's the exception to the rule. In most cases, um, you know, people recover quickly. But a concussion is defined as a disruption in brain functioning that's caused by a blow or a jolt to the head. Hmm. So what we're looking for is some evidence of head trauma combined with some evidence that the brain has been affected. You know, so if you just have a headache, well, you can get a headache if you hit your head. It doesn't mean you've had a concussion. Right. What we're looking for are things like, um, you know, the person being unconscious would, of course, suggest that the brain has been affected, although... Right. Only about 10% of athletes actually lose consciousness. If they don't remember what's happened, if they're confused, if they're wobbly, if they're slurring their speech, those are all indicators that the brain's not happy. Mm -hmm. And when athletic trainers and um, physicians or emergency medicine people are, um, you know, evaluating athletes or other individuals who may have had a concussion. That's what they're looking for. It's interesting. And it seems like, too, the manly thing is just, I got to get up. I got to get up. Get off right. the field. Get off the right. field. But I guess some of those you can't fake, right? If, you're, no. if you've lost your LOC, if you've lost your consciousness, you are not going to fake that. If right. you're slurring, if you're walking those sideways. Those are the easy ones. Yeah. Right. Right. What about the ones that I guess are just, I'm fine. I'm fine. Right, and the problem is that the kid who's had his head, uh, his bell rung, as uh, you know they used to yeah. say, um, is not always in the best position to be making good decisions yeah. about whether they should tell the coach or not. 
you know, because they're not thinking too clearly. They may not even remember what happened, so they don't even know why they feel funny. That is so Um, true, huh? So that's one of the things we're trying to do in our education of people involved in sports is say, hey, everybody's got to know this because if you see somebody and you think that after that hit they may not be right, rather than helping them to hide the symptoms so they can keep playing, you've got to – you got to tell the coach or tell the trainer what's going on so that person can get evaluated. Love it. Dr. Brian Rieger, we're going to take a break. We'll be back, and um, I really just want to pick your brain. What are some other signs? What are some things that we should be doing, you know, even with our own coaches? How could we as parents influence our, you know, the brain health of our players, of our our kids as they're going through some of these things? We'll be back with Dr. Brian Rieger and uh, keep talking about, uh, you know, concussions and the impact on our lives and our families and especially just the love of sport right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Are there some BYU radio shows that you missed or just want to hear again? As for my favorite part, well, it's kind of strange, but I love one word that Poe says. Skadoosh. Then check out our BYU Radio YouTube channel, where you'll be able to listen again to your favorite episodes and keep up to date with other BYU programs and events. Just go to YouTube and search BYU Radio. Talk about good. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The U.S. Embassy in Beirut has started to destroy classified material as a part of precautionary measures being taken in response to continued anti-American Muslim protests. A State Department status report obtained by the AP said the embassy was beginning to destroy classified material after going over its emergency procedures. A department official said a number of other missions weren't doing the same, calling that normal under the circumstances. At a news conference, State Department spokeswoman Victoria Newland would not confirm how classified material is handled, but... You can imagine that wherever we think it's necessary, we take appropriate security uh, measures. All American embassies and consulates have been ordered to review security postures. Sagar Megani at the Pentagon. Republican presidential candidate Mitt Romney has released a new set of ads in an effort to show voters what he plans to do as president. In hopes of shifting the direction of the race for the White House, Romney is refocusing on his five points on the economy. My plan is to help the middle class. Other issues Romney will focus on are trade, balancing the budget, and championing small business. We put those in place, we'll add 12 million new jobs in four years. Romney advisors spent the weekend hashing out a plan for the struggling campaign. Polls show President Obama has an edge nationally and in key states. Romney is also trying to put behind him a turbulent week that saw him stumbling to respond to the anti-American violence in the Middle East. Ed Donahue, Washington. This week will mark one year since Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed, and for the most part, the transition has been smooth throughout the military. 
The Pentagon says the repeal has gone smoothly with no adverse effect on morale, cohesion, recruitment or military readiness. Dr. Aaron Belkin with the Palm Center Research Group. Once gay service members could live honestly and acknowledge who they were openly to their peers, bonding and trust increased somewhat. But some critics think repeal infringes on service members whose religious faith condemns homosexuality. Retired Army Brigadier General Douglas Lee is with the Chaplain Alliance for Religious Liberty. In the military, I think it'd be safe to say there's simply pressure to not rock the boat on this. I'm Jackie Quinn. Federal health officials officials are warning that many kids in the U.S. are eating way too much salt. The recommended sodium intake for kids and adults is no more than a teaspoon a day, or about 2,300 milligrams. Researchers say American children eat as much salt as adults, about 1,000 milligrams too much, or the same amount as in one Big Mac. Those who ate the most salt face double the risk of having elevated blood pressure, compared with those who ate few salty foods. But among overweight or obese kids, the risk was more than triple. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Research is published online in the journal Pediatrics. I'm Carlotta Bradley. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about uh, brain injuries, mild traumatic brain injuries, a.k.a. the concussion. And uh, we brought on our expert, Dr. Brian Rieger. Dr. Rieger is a uh, director of concussion management program. He works at Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York. He's also an assistant professor of physical medicine and rehabilitation. Dr. Rieger, are you back with us? I am, Matt. Now, uh, just fascinating stuff because is it, does it matter? I, I mean, when I hear the word mild traumatic brain injury and it, it creates a, you know, a brain disruption, like in our memory, stuff like that. Does it matter if this takes place when we're young or when we're old? Is it the same effect uh, or does it really affect children more than adults or how? Well, that's another good question. And one thing that we have learned over the last several years is that high school age youth seem to take longer to recover than younger or older uh, people. Huh. And no one's quite sure why that is, but the I guess the leading theory... Puberty. It's puberty, yeah, Doc. right, exactly. It's always puberty. And uh, the front part of the brain, you know, where you have personality and judgment and decision-making, <laughs> is undergoing kind of a big upheaval as it consolidates its final development. Okay. And that front part of the brain also happens to be the area of the brain that's most vulnerable to a concussion, regardless of where you hit your head. Just, I guess, because that's where all the, when it, well, I guess when your brain shakes, it's going to shake. Yeah, the forward. anatomy of the skull is such that when the brain, the brain's floating inside the skull. So when the head is traumatized, that brain gets thrown around and the bones above the eyes are rougher than anywhere else. Yeah. So that part of the brain is particularly vulnerable. And then the, and the teens are already under construction up there. You got it. That's exactly what's going on. So then it's, it just takes longer to fix that whole thing. Yeah. Wow, that is interesting. Because like Madison hit her head in high school, and yes, it impacts. And you know, high school is a pretty serious time where you have more kids playing 
sports in high school, yeah. you know, in a serious level than you do younger or older. Right. And it's also pretty challenging academically. So another theory is just the stress associated with all that activity and development may also be prolonging things. Like kids are are trying to get back as soon as they can, and sometimes if you get back too soon, you're actually going to complicate your recovery, and that's one of the things we try to educate people about. Oh, it's just fascinating because it's kind of like every time I see a little kid, like a toddler kid anyway, they usually have a bruise on their forehead. <laughs> right. And so you're always kind of assuming they're hitting their heads all the time, and that would be really traumatic. But a teenager makes sense. Um, the idea of, a, of stress is also – it's the deal with the brain, you only get one, right? So and there, I, I haven't heard of a brain transplant yet. So Not yet. how what are we supposed to do? Um, we, okay, and I guess this would be probably where we begin. Would you let your kids be playing ball? Well, I have two daughters, and um, both of them have played soccer. Only one is playing soccer now, and soccer, along now with girls lacrosse, is the highest the, the sports with the highest risk of um, concussion yeah. as a proportion of the injury suffered, and so. When I go out and do presentations about sports concussion, which I've been doing for years, I I often say, you know, my kids play sports, I'm pro sports, I've seen a lot of the psychological benefits, both in my own children and others, but but my message is, you know, concussions and other injuries are going to occur, just like they're going to occur when you're riding in a car. Right, right. The key is that when that injury occurs... We need to take it seriously, and we need to manage it properly. So I'm not afraid of my child having a concussion. What I am afraid of is that my child's going to have a concussion somewhere where someone's not going to recognize it. They themselves are not going to know what's going on because they're the one with the concussion, and they're going to continue to play or stay in a game or a practice when they're vulnerable because of that injury. Right. They're going to get another hit, and then we're going to see much more, you know, a greater likelihood of more severe symptoms, more prolonged recovery and such like that. So what should and, we be teaching these kids then? Like I mean I I love that idea that the kid that your children, I mean I guess up to a certain point, but a teenager child should know when when their limit is or so what should we teach them? How do we how do we empower them to take it more seriously and how do we take it more seriously? Well, I think it begins as much with the parents as it does with the kids. Mm-hmm. And again, treating treating kids and talking with their parents. Certainly there are some kids who are pushing their parents to go back before they're ready or to minimize the injury, but it works the other way too. There are many parents who... Yeah, be a man. You know, right. Yeah. They have a lot riding. You know, they, they have a lot that they're invested in in terms of their child's participation in sports. So I think it has to... I certainly think that everyone needs to be educated. And then again, I want to say that the main message when it comes to concussion management, and this is an idea that that is not new, is that when that injury occurs, it is the brain. We have to treat that seriously. We immediately remove that athlete from uh, harm's way, and we don't let them go back till we've satisfied ourselves Mm. that they are ready. And we do have some, you know, better ways of thinking about and doing that than we did before. So, Used to be if you showed up in the doc's office a week after your injury and you said to the doctor, you know, I'm feeling fine, they'd be, all right, well, you can play tonight then. Yeah, you would know. Yeah, right. That's it. So now if you show up and tell your medical professional that you're feeling good, 
the next question should be, well, what have you done? Have you been doing any exercise? Have you been in school? Have you done any reading? Yeah. And because we know that those kinds of activities can uh, cause the symptoms to reemerge if the brain's not fully recovered. Excellent. So I, I guess a good test for somebody that's had a concussion is put them, well, as soon as they can, I guess, put them back in their day-to-day school study. Yeah. And, if, and if, they have, if, they, if they see signs, then you know they're, they need to be down. That's right. And likewise, there's actually a progression over several days that an athletic trainer or somebody mm. will take an athlete through. So when you get cleared, the first day you're just doing some running. The next day maybe you're adding a little skills. And it takes three or four days before you're up to contact uh, in a scrimmage. And we always do a scrimmage first because concussion is much more likely in games right. versus practices. And then if you have survived the scrimmage with no return of symptoms and no re-injury, then finally you're good to go. So it's, oh. it's a much more deliberate process. Yes, I love that. But no, yeah. that's not happening. Like my, well, son, my son had a major event, just, and he has a big head. Um, but he got nailed and when i saw his eyes when they brought him off the field he knew he had been hit right. and we didn't and we didn't this was two years ago and uh, you know he's been slow since then by the way um but he didn't we didn't go through all that like it okay. should take time it's like a knee injury i mean a knee injury everyone gets yeah he can't walk on his knee so we don't bring him back in but the head injury it's like he seems better the next day i think that's that's one of the problems that that really complicates concussion because there's no objective medical no. to diagnose that injury and the person looks normal no cast no sling no scars yeah and you know honestly matt that can create a lot of tensions for kids you know on the one hand you might have kids who are saying they're fine and they're not and maybe some people realize they're not what do they do about that mm-hmm. but then you have kids who are really struggling often for weeks or months they're in school, and the teacher looks at them and says, hey, you look fine, so, yeah. you know, uh, what's all this business about concussion? You know, I had two of those. I ah. was good in a week. Yeah, be uh, a man. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, it's so, those, what do you think about those G-force? Don't they have little G-force pressure sensors or whatever that can go in helmets? And Yeah, that's a big area of research now. And I should say a lot of this is focused in football. Yeah. But this could be probably to a lesser extent hockey. Um, but there's research now showing that even if you don't suffer a concussion during a season of football, that just the repeated trauma, oh, the shaking alone, up. just the repeated Hits. blows to the head over a course of the season can yeah. actually cause injury to the brain. That's right. So there's, there's some new research that's showing that. So now they're. The, the really uh, sort of cutting-edge studies in that area are trying to quantify the forces over a season and relate that to the amount of damage incurred in a brain and then to try to follow the kids and see what happens in the off-season. Does that get back to normal? Mm-hmm. Or, or is that kind of sub-concussive trauma maybe one of the things that's setting our athletes, our children up for these later problems as they uh, get older. And so far, we've really only seen that primarily in professional athletes, a few non-professional athletes, but primarily that's where we're seeing the significant problems with dementia, right. depression, you know, that you mentioned earlier in your show. It's, uh, yeah, in fact, I guess some Pop Warner football programs are, are doing a thing now they call the, um, where is it, the hit count. 
So they're trying to decrease how many times you take these hits and decrease the contact. So like have less lower contact practices and right. And then anyway, I, but it seems like to me this I've got the answer, Doc. Here's what you do: you make everybody wear some kind of head protection in every sport, like even soccer, like the kind of the ones they use in rugby or whatever. And then you put these sensors on it, and if the sensor goes off, you have to paint the person red, and they have to stay red until they're cleared. See, then it makes it no longer invisible, right? right? But like, yeah. I would love to have known if it seems like to me, and especially in a place where you have a helmet. But if a sensor goes off or breaks and is, shows that you've had too much force to the head, it should be like a mandatory month minimum. Because your sensor went off. Well, you know, you're, you know, you're. I know you're kind of saying that with some humor, but you, you I, know, that may that may not be far. from I where love we that end idea. Up. No, I really think. I mean, and I, I don't know. How, I was trying to figure out how you do it for soccer or for Madison right, in the in right. the pool for crying and out loud. How do you put sensors on them? Yeah, yeah, right. in a swim cap. And but if you can, we've got to figure this out because I think, Doc, if you and I did this, we could make a fortune. <laughs> well, you know, one thing that's interesting about I love that idea about the sensors is when they've done that research, you know, they find that some of these uh, football players suffer the equivalent of multiple car crashes over the course of a game. Oh, my heavens. And, and when they do the study, they ask themselves, how, how come there aren't more concussions? Right. Um, so the, the G-forces alone don't, don't tell the whole no, story. No. I guess it's the impact. I mean, what what your brain does and how hard it turns in the head. Right. Like if it rotates, it requires much less force than if it's stabilized with the blow to the head. But I but I think that that notion of trying to better quantify the Mm -hmm. trauma to the head, and then maybe you know we may get to a point where based on what we know. There's going to be some mandatory waiting time, especially for our more vulnerable youngsters. Oh, yeah. Well, it seems like, too, so it's one thing to kind of have those indicators telling us there's a problem. Then there's something else, like the the person that when my son broke his arm, he came back with a cast, Everybody, an orange cast, by the way. Everybody (laughs) knows he had a problem. Right. But when these guys come back with a head injury, even if they blew up all their G-force indicators or whatever, they don't have it. That's why we got to paint them red. Or blue. You could pick a school color. But there has to be something that tells everybody, he's got a brain issue right now. Yeah, well, many are many of my patients joke that, you know, we should wrap their head in a bandage. Uh, no, but sure, huh? It be helpful. It really right. could. Like a little, right. just like a, hey, I had a concussion. What happened to you? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, um, I think it's, it's, we laugh, but it is, this is huge. And especially when we, again, I have family that have Alzheimer's and young and you sit there and you look at it and you think, oh, what right. we give to have a healthy brain right. when you start losing it. Right. And I think, you know, that is where I think all of the research and all the attention that's come, you know, partly because of brain injury in the military and certainly with what we've seen in sports. Right. You know, it, it, that, all of that attention, the, the one great thing about all that attention is that there's so much research going on right now. And I do hope we'll, you know, we'll have a better sense at some point about who's at greater risk, Mm -hmm. Um, not only in terms of, you know, what does this concussion look like in you, but what are the risks that this injury may be causing some problems downstream. And right now it's really, um, you know, we're kind of trying to do our best job at taking a person's history, 
looking at whether they've had multiple concussions. Are this, do the symptoms seem to be getting worse? Do they seem to be taking longer to recover? How far apart were these injuries? What sports do they play? And we're trying to come up with some, you know, recommendations for parents and athletes that, that doesn't unnecessarily pull them out of sports because there are benefits. Yeah, there. absolutely. But that, but that recognizes that, you know, it is your brain and we need to uh, do everything we can to protect that if we think that you're more vulnerable for some reason. And so parents, coaches, um, friends, and family, I guess part of the key is take it seriously. Absolutely. And um, and, and meaning if there's been an episode, if there's been an issue, I guess it's almost like you have to – you really have to know your child too. <laughs> and, Absolutely. And know like, you know, boy, they're they're – they're really, you know, socially they would normally really feel compelled to have to get back, but they're kind of not wanting to go back. Something's right, happened. Something. Right. Yeah, yeah, and take it seriously and get get them properly managed. And ma- that would be a, just get to who? Where should they go? Well, you know, the recommendation is to see a medical provider within 24 hours, you know, uh, whether it's the emergency department, whether it's your pediatrician. Um, but then... You know, I think it's important to educate yourself. And by the way, Matt, a great resource for yeah. anybody on this is the Center for Disease Control website. If you go to the cdc.gov, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention.gov, uh-huh. and if you were to type in concussion into the search bar when you're on the CDC website, they've got all sorts of oh, great uh, information um, about concussion and the signs and symptoms, fact sheets for parents, fact sheets for athletes. Because when you go to your doctor, you know, there's going to be um, some differences in the education level related to concussion of your physician as well. Some are going to be more up to speed than others. Um, So, you know, the more you're educated as a parent, the more you're educated as an athlete, the more you can have a sense of what, what the guidelines should be. In general, you want to go to that medical appointment and you want someone to say whether or not you've had a concussion, if you've had that concussion, then we want to wait till you're symptom-free, both at rest and with mental and physical exertion, that you can tolerate that without any return of symptoms. And then it should be good to go back to go. But if you've had a um, history of multiple concussions, if you've had a prolonged recovery, Throw the normal guidelines out the window and get yourself to a concussion specialist and get some good advice. Well, especially, I guess, too, if you're playing a sport at a competitive level where you want to have a career and a future. I mean, if parents got to get good at this if their kids are going to be in this. That's right. And um, and just for those, you know, the you know the weekend duffer like me, they've also got to learn these skills as well. These ideas. Yes. Appreciate it. Dr. Brian Rieger uh, from Upstate Medical University in Syracuse. So appreciate you. We're going to have you on later, I'm sure, and just pick your brain on other brain topics. Okay. Thanks, doctor. Okay, Matt. Take care of yourself. Talking with you. Yep. Bye-bye. Good stuff. Oh, there's so much to learn, isn't there? When you think about it, your kids' lives are worth it, right? So, And yourself, even. So make sure you know what you're doing. Take some of Dr. Rieger's advice. Get to cdc.gov. Look up concussions. And let's start uh, preventing some of this um, pain so we don't need to keep hurting others once we've been hurt. You listen to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143. We'll be back after this break. Sirius XM 143. 
BYU Radio. Arriving on Mars in three, two, one. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. A human-enabled mission to Mars is a critical milestone for space and planetary exploration. However, immense challenges must be overcome before men and women can safely explore the Red Planet. Through university engineering competitions like NASA's Revolutionary Systems Concepts Academic Linkages, called RASCAL for short, students are provided a platform to develop comprehensive mission designs that include multiple space vehicle launches, breakthroughs in propulsion systems, radiation protection, and the application of medicine in extraterrestrial environments. Through the annual RASCAL Forum, students share their intensive work with peers and a panel of judges comprised of NASA and industry experts. The opportunity for research and experimentation on Mars will expand our knowledge of planetary and life sciences, not to mention the potential for finding new and valuable resources. Realizing these missions will stretch the bounds of innovation, human health, and engineering, NASA sees direct connection to tapping the bright minds of undergraduate and graduate students. After all, reaching Mars could be the greatest feat of their generation. In the words of Buzz Aldrin, Mars is out there, waiting to be reached. The rascal competitors are getting us closer. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. What song changed my life? There are a lot of songs that have changed my life. It's a totally brutal question to try and answer. Every musician has that one song that changed their life. Join Tony Award winner Lea Salonga, American Idol finalist Brooke White, and more of your favorite artists as they explore their lives before and after they heard that one song that changed everything. Watch The Song That Changed My Life, Monday nights at 7.30 on BYU-TV. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're wrapping up our uh, Concussion Monday, where we're talking about uh, your head injuries, how to take care of yourself. As parents, what should you be looking for? It's probably not good enough to just completely pull everybody out of you know football and those sports. But you know what? Uh, maybe what you should do is get pretty proficient at recognizing an injury when you see it. As our good doctor explained. Now, on today's show, we've also, um, as we've been talking about how to mitigate some of these sports injuries, the best sports are the ones where you don't get injured in the first place. I got to stop and ask, what's with football? Perez Anderson misses it just by inches. Between my friends who are big BYU fans and you and your friends, the various sports teams that everybody collectively thinks about and follows and sits down to watch, I'd say probably half the country wasted half their weekend because of some game that was on TV. And then you think of how many millions of people actually bought pricey tickets and fought hours of bumper-to-bumper traffic to and from stadiums so they could park their car in a dangerous, unlit, unpaved $10 parking lot to sit on a tiny, cold aluminum bench for three hours. And even more unimaginable, the people who actually want to play the game. To me, that's like somebody desperately hoping they get to fight with the lion inside the Coliseum. Why? Contact sports have this sort of inevitability that you're going to get a frequent serious injury. Smashing up your head and shoulders in football, smashing up your face and teeth in boxing. Not just in the pros, even in high school sports, too. I knew what it was like for my friends who played water polo. Boy, that is a messy sport. Especially having to clean up the pool area after you put the horses away. 
I'll be here all week. I'm a much bigger fan of sports where contact can't or shouldn't happen at all. Let's compare football and basketball. In football, you put Tiny Tim into 300 pounds of gear and then point him at the other kid who's about the size of a train. And after a collision that's comparable to a serious car accident, Coach just hollers to Timmy's mangled corpse. Good hustle, boy! Let's go again. Now, if Timmy went out for basketball, another player just, you know, taps him with his elbow or even looks at him funny. Oh, whistles blow, the game stops, the ref starts throwing around terms like technical foul. Timmy's more likely to be injured by the basketball rim than he is by another player. And other sports are even safer. I don't see Venus or Serena Williams complaining about tennis injuries. The only threat to Michael Phelps is maybe he's not paying attention during the backstroke and bonks his head into the wall. And when's the last time the PGA had to worry about injuries from player-to-player contact? I mean, I guess a disgruntled golfer could grab his putter and start swinging it around like a baseball bat, but really. So I think you and I would agree, games like golf are some of the safest on the planet. So why can't the NFL and college football just adjust their rules a little bit to make it safe like golf? I mean, it would take some adjustment. Fans would have to watch in silence until the first down is complete, and then at that point they might be permitted for, you know, a brief, polite, golf-style clap. But on the flip side, the spectators could watch the game right up close because we're only going to allow one player on the field at the time. And that's how you really cut the risk of injury down. Maybe swap the jerseys for a nice polo shirt. And you wouldn't want the player to run into the goalpost. Replace that with a hole in the ground and a little flag. I don't know. There's still a few flaws to work out. But in the meantime, let's go shop my no-contact football rules idea to football fans. I, I think they'll like it. Okay, I think he's crazy. As a guy that likes football, Rob, I think you're crazy. Uh, I think we should have contact football or contact golf, where if he doesn't make a good putt, you sack him. What do you think, Bryce? Should we sack him when he makes a bad putt? I, I think I would watch golf at that point. I would totally watch golf. And you have to wear plaid. <laughs> plaid pads? Plaid. <laughs> you have to be padded in plaid. And you have to wear um, a little beret. What do they wear? The little Scottish beret, the, the old school golfers in a kilt, you know. Yeah, I know that. Okay, awkward moment. So here's the deal, the takeaway. We can't take all the pain away from all sports, but we can make sure we are watching our kids better. If your kid's out there playing, will you please start paying attention? If they suffer anything that resembles a, um, a concussion, Go get help immediately. Go talk to your doctor. And then, as our good doctor uh, taught us, make sure you bring them back slowly. Uh, just have them like, have no contact, no nothing, no problems, no issues, no um, impact for a time period. And then you can start trying to test them by giving some mental um, strain and some educate, make them go to class and take their, go to their normal life. And uh, if that all goes well, then maybe you can bring them back in, but not without medical advice, of course. So please start watching for your kids. It's just they're too young to be having head injuries. Thanks, everybody, for uh, listening to us. We're here with our head injuries every Monday through Friday right here, 5 o'clock Eastern time.